0: And joining me right now here on the phone line, talk some college football here on a Wednesday. He is my good friend, Kevin Noon. He does a great job covering Ohio State and the Big Ten for BuckeyeHuddle.com. Kevin, how you doing today?
1: Doing great. Thanks for having me on the show.
0: Yeah, I've not had you on in a while. Let's start with the obvious. Ohio State's biggest rival, Michigan, won the national title, went undefeated. What are your thoughts? As I, I know it's the rival, but the Big Ten's the national champ now.
1: I think it's different, though. Only the SEC has commercials where the success of one is the success for all, and it just means more and all this other malarkey. But when when it comes to the Big Ten, nobody likes anybody else, and there's nobody, nobody around Columbus who is trying to coattail any sort of national championship from what happened up north, especially with all of the allegations that have surrounded the Michigan program throughout the year. Jim Harbaugh, now of the Los Angeles Chargers, by the way, but Jim Harbaugh being suspended six games and a couple of different three-game suspensions. Um, yeah, it's, it's very interesting, but I think that the best thing I can say about this, if you're an Ohio state fan is it lit a sizable fire under a lot of people. And now you see Ohio state just, you know, rolling it out there and saying, you know, believe it, we're going for it.
0: You look at Harbaugh, like you said, he's going to the chargers, going back to the NFL and your opinion is this kind of like Pete Carroll, when he left USC right before it was all going to go down?
1: Um, I think there's something to it. I mean, here's here's the thing. Jim Harbaugh has been trying to get back to the NFL for several years now, yeah. so that is not a new phenomenon. That has been the case, and his recruiting has suffered because of it because he can't give anybody or he couldn't give anybody, now. Well, I guess it's past tense, any assurances that he was going to stick around Let's rewind about 365 days ago. He was pretty darn sure he was going to get the Vikings job yeah. until he didn't. I mean, even to the point of where he told people internally that he expected that he was leaving for that not to happen. now he finally gets the opportunity. He can compete for Lombardi trophy. He can compete directly against his brother, the head coach of the Baltimore Ravens. And, oh, yeah, he seems to be getting out of Dodge before – anything happens there and you know i'm i'm certain michigan fans are going to be like well we haven't heard anything yet but let me remind you that the nc2a moves like an iceberg unless it is an nil violation directly and then they will certainly come after you quickly just ask tennessee
0: i agree with you 100 you look at the new landscape with the 12 team playoff Is it just going to be the Wild West with NIL, Transfer Portal? Now 12 teams getting in. What's this future going to look like, Kevin?
1: It is. It's going to be absolute chaos. And I was on a show earlier today, and we were trying to set the over-under of a win total for Ohio State. And I think everybody naturally uh, thinks that the only successful season is a is a perfect season. Is a twelve and zero season. And the reality is, is you're going to be able to get in with two losses, in my opinion, if they are good losses, and and if you're a team that is is highly regarded in the first place. So, what you're really competing for is to win your conference and get one of those. First round buys and not have to play that additional game, and then I guess if you if that's off the table, you're competing to have a home game for that first that first game so there's there's a lot of intrigue with that, but I'm not convinced that the n c two a is going to be in its current iteration much longer and i'm not I'm not talking a matter of weeks and months, but i mean I think that I think within the next couple of years we're going to see some sort of split away because let's remember the NC2A is a banner that is there under the approval of the schools that are there I mean it's not a you know a chicken and egg situation the NC2A didn't exist and then suddenly all of these colleges and universities just popped up it's you know it's the other way around largely so if they're not if the n c two a is not going to be representing the best interests of the majority of its schools, or at least when we're talking division one football the 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 powers that be, they're going to find something that better fits it so yeah what we what we see in twenty twenty four may not be what we're going to see in twenty thirty in terms of organizational ways and and things of that nature so don't 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 fall in love with anything you see this next season and think that that's going to be canon for the next 30 years, because we're going to see a lot of adjustments.
0: Well, during the 14 playoff, they weren't playing for the NCAA championship. Right. Anyway. Right. Yeah. So, right.
1: Yeah, I mean, that was run by the college football playoff committee and uh it was not, it was not a situation of where, you know, you did not get one of those standard NCAA national championship Type of trophies with the wood and the glass and all of that stuff and the NCAA little medallion in it. You're you're playing up for a different grouping, but they still all operate as in, as as in NC2A organizations. And you know, I just think that we're going to see Division One A Plus, which I'm just going to call it, which whether it's 48 teams or 64 teams or whatever we may have are going to be playing under a college football playoff type of banner or something in the next four or five years, tops.
0: We're here with Kevin Noon talking some college football. Um, You saw Saban where he retired earlier this month. What was your reaction, especially with the world you say we're going to go into next fall?
1: Yeah, I think we're going to see a lot of people running for – the Hills, I mean, just because we are going into such an unknown type of situation, and they're going to be the haters that are going to say this coach just really doesn't give a bleep about you know their student athletes, and you know they just like the old system where you know room and board and tuition be happy with it, and that's what you get but I mean, it really is getting wild out there i mean sabin Sabin retires Alabama essentially loses its entire football team to the transfer portal Ohio State' certainly one of the schools to benefit there as well as Texas and Florida State, among others uh gene smith the a d at ohio State, he's retiring at the end of the year i mean he he kind of think he can see what's coming as well uh but you know in in Saban's, you know in Sabin's case. It had always kind of seemed like it was eh, we're probably next year or next year, and then Alabama makes it into into the CFP kind of through the side hatch, as UGA believed it had a case, and certainly I'm not going to get into the whole Florida State discussion there of how all of that happened. But um, and they and then they go on and they lose to Michigan in the Rose Bowl, so he wasn't able to go out with yet another national championship but i think that just with everything going on he saw that the landscape was getting to a point of where things were becoming maybe just a little too tumultuous and honestly the days of seeing coaches coaching into their 70s i don't i don't think we're going to see a ton of that because This is turning into like dog years, and like one one real year is like nine is like nine dog years or something. It's it's (laughs) it's going to take its toll on these coaches, and it's going to create a a bit of a coaching drain. I think.
0: We're with Kevin Noon. Um, I've been talking about your Buckeyes from the standpoint of you had a starting quarterback this previous season. Uh he got an undefeated record until he took on Michigan, but now he transferred to Syracuse. What world do we live in where being the quarterback at Ohio State's not good enough anymore? That's what I'm confused with the transfer portal.
1: Well, he was much maligned by the fans for this, that, and the other reason. I mean, he wasn't getting through his progressions quickly enough. He wasn't. I mean, that he just wasn't these generational quarterbacks that Ohio State had had previously with C.J. Stroud. Uh, Justin Fields, the late Dwayne Haskins, and that's you know that's a lot to stand up to. That's sort of like if you're a defensive end coming into Ohio State and being compared to Chase Young, Nick and Joey Bosa. I mean it's it's a, it, it, those are gigantic shoes to have to fill, and ultimately a lot of it I think came down to that you know Kyle McCord certainly was going to need another year of college football. Yeah. Uh, you know McCord's camp certainly wanted to have. Uh, assurances that he wasn't going to be overlooked in the uh in the quarterback derby for next year you know in fact let's not have a quarterback derby you've won 11 games and you know Ohio State has to do what's best for Ohio State it's like well no we have a lot of other quarterbacks on this roster we're going to you know we're going to see and may the best man win and you know, at that point, you can just sit there and say, well, that's, that's fine. You, you can say that and we can say goodbye. And they said goodbye. And it looked like potentially at one point he might end up at Nebraska, but then they go and they get Dylan Rayola, the, uh, the super 2024 quarterback. And, uh, he ends up at Syracuse and it'll be interesting to see under Fran Brown, first year quarterback there, what, you know, what everything looks like. And, God help Kyle McCords mentions if he doesn't go out there and light it up, because if he goes out there and has troubles, he is never going to be able to get within 60 miles of Columbus, Ohio, at any point, because people are just not going to, they're they're going to be relentlessly horrible I, so yeah. you know i think in a lot of ways just as you're rooting for the for the jimmies and joes that you're hoping that that kyle mccord does does pretty okay it's at, at syracuse just for just just for the sake of his well-being
0: see this is where i get confused and I, look i'm all for the players they should get paid they should have more power but i'm just at the point and maybe i've turned into an old man is this what everyone's gonna do? Oh, if everything's not perfect, I'm just gonna go somewhere else. Whatever. I'm just, it's kind of this, it feels like it's quitting. And I don't want any pressure, I don't want any obstacles, make this as easy as possible for me. That's what it feels like with a lot of these transfer portal type stories.
1: Well, quarterback is such a weird position to begin with and, you know, you, you get a lot of people in your ear and you've been generally the best player on your team because when you're going through youth football, you want to put the the ball in the hand of your best athlete immediately. And, you you know, you kind of get used to a lot of these things. And I think that, honestly, when you talk about a lot of transfer portal situations, probably if the kid had his druthers, he'd probably just ride with where he was at. You know, he got friends and everything else, and you get all these people in your ear Either telling you, hey, you need to move on, to, you know, you're getting, you're getting, you're getting slept on or, or, or whatever. And it's, it's just, it's, yeah, there's a lot of free agency, I'll put it that way. And it's, it does seem in some cases that it's like, oh, well, I'm, I'm moving on because it wasn't exactly the perfect situation. I mean, a lot of people who do portal out are not playing, but when you were, when you were the whole season starter and you are transferring and you're, Yes, you're going group of four to group of four, power four to power four, so there shouldn't necessarily be a look down in terms of who it is you're playing. But let's be real, uh, Syracuse is not mentioned in the same breath as Ohio State when it comes to football. No, It it does kind of have an odd feeling to it.
0: We're here with Kevin Noon with BuckeyeHuddle.com. You do a great job with recruiting, and I know you'll come down here to Florida and look at all these different schools. You'll go up and down 95 what are those trips like for you when you get to see these high school athletes here in Florida?
1: They're long trips because not only do we go up and down 95, but then we go we go to the Gulf Coast and go up and down 75. And because just the world we live in, it is too complicated to do a lot of one-way rental cars and fly from, yeah. from major city to major city. So we come down via Jacksonville and we go all the way down and, You know, whether or not we stop in Orlando, it's always dependent upon what's out there and what Ohio State is recruiting and then. Spend some time down in Miami Dade because of what's there and then go across Alligator Alley. But you know, we do go through a lot of schools and it's, it's funny. I probably have been to Coco High School more times than I've been to the high school that's a mile down the street from me. And the school that's a mile down the street from me has produced a lot of division one talent through the years. So, you know, we, we fly through a lot of schools and have seen a lot of athletes and it's, it's funny because I will watch SEC games. And I'll be like, oh, well, I saw that kid in high school. I saw that kid in high school, too. And you just get through this this long listing. But I enjoy I enjoy the trip. Everything but driving in South Florida. There are some maniacs down there. Yes. I've spoken from somebody who is from Los Angeles. And I've I've been around <laughs> maniac drivers.
0: How does Ohio State sell their school to kids in Florida who who some of them maybe have never seen snow before?
1: Yeah, that's you know that's a good question on how they sell it. I mean, I think what you show is you show how you get developed and how many players Ohio State has put in the league and you know there are going to be kids that are just different than what you can get in terms of Ohio. And it's like you're going to come up here and you're going you're not going to be one of six guys in a certain room you are different. You're going to be, you know, you're going to be the guy. You've got this great path to the field. I mean, Ohio State certainly has done a great job of recruiting in South Florida schools like St. Thomas Aquinas and Shamadon Madonna. Mm-hmm. I mean, recently just picking up Jeremiah Smith, the number one player in the nation, out of shamanah Madonna, showing the records of what guys have been able to do. Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Michael Thomas, Terry McLaurin. So, and I think you also have to remind these kids, yes, you are going to move up to some place where it is very cold, but you're not going to be playing in a snowstorm generally. There's not going to be eight inches of snow. This is not Buffalo. We don't have a lake near us. We're not getting any lake effect snow. You're not playing in northern Minnesota or anything. And I think differently than when you and I went to school they have online classes that they can take as well, too. We would have to walk across the quad in minus-20-degree weather and just deal with it. Uh, it's maybe not as bad for these guys now just based on where technology is and not having to trudge out to a history 151 lecture.
0: Javon Boggs, 2025, he's there at Coco, the school you brought up. I, he is a stud, and he's going to play another year what are your thoughts on this guy as he's going to ohio state
1: yeah ohio state has done a good job of recruiting coco through the years currently have cedric hawkins on the roster uh was involved with uh, jamel dean Uh, that was a weird situation how that one he got medically dq'd at ohio state but not at auburn and went on and had great a great career at auburn is still in the league right now javon boggs Ohio State is recruiting at the highest level in terms of any program in the nation at wide receiver. If you just look at the the numbers, the recruiting rankings, and I always tell people that there's more than just the recruiting rankings, but Ohio State... Is going out and getting these top players, gets the number one player in the nation, as I mentioned with Jeremiah Smith, gets a really, another player that everybody wanted in, uh, in, in Mylon Graham, who Ohio State offered him before he had any star ranking. So this wasn't a case of Ohio Ch- State chasing stars. And I think with Javon Boggs, it's, you know, Ohio State recognized it's a school they're familiar with. It's a you know they they know the quality of the kids that come through that program, and we're able to get in early. And honestly, if you're a wide receiver nationally and Ohio State comes calling, I'm not saying 1,000 percent you're just going to say yes before the offer is completely out there, but you're certainly going to think about it just based on that. Oh. So Ohio State's really managed to make Florida a. A good secondary recruiting ground when you think of, you know, it's got Ohio locked down.
0: I, I see Marvin Harrison Jr. on TV. And if I'm a wide receiver, I want to be like him at Ohio State. That's what I think about. Like, I, is Harrison, I want your thoughts. Do you think he translates to the NFL? Like his, you know, like his dad was so dominant. Do you think you take him top five and he's going to be dominant at the NFL level?
1: I mean, I would think so. I mean, his dad's a Hall of Famer, so it's it's difficult in some ways to sit there and say this kid who's not even been selected by an NFL team yet yet is going to be an NFL Hall of Famer. That is a very, very, very high bar. But I've never seen anybody put in as much work. Sunday through Friday, as I saw out of Marvin Harrison, and he learned that culture at Ohio State, but he's added to the culture. And I think that the younger wave of guys, including another couple of guys from the state of Florida with, with Brandon Ennis out of South Florida and Carnell Tate, who was a transplant who went to Bradenton at IMG Academy. These are going to be the guys that are going to be carrying that legacy. But I think that it's often hard to consider uh, drafting a wide receiver one and just positional needs don't allow you to do it. But if there was a guy to draft number one, it would probably be Marvin Harrison, even though I tend to expect that he ends up at Arizona with, what is that, three or four? Yeah, I think that's just probably I, where that one works.
0: Yeah, I, you know where I'm going with this. If you're my Bears, would you, do you take the quarterback or do you go – ah screw it we'll go with fields and take harrison jr what would you do
1: well i'm you know i have a little bit of a bias here because i covered justin fields i think he's kind of gotten a bit of a raw deal because they refuse to protect him and they refuse to give him weapons start to give him some weapons you see some moments of where things get better but nobody nobody gets hit more than justin fields because of offensive line issues and I've never seen a quarterback get absolutely zero protection from the, from the referees to the level that I've seen Justin Fields get no protection from the referees. I don't think that suddenly if you bring in Caleb Williams, he turns everything around with that same offensive line crew, with that same wide receiver crew. I don't think that you're going to I mean, – he is somebody who – yeah, he's great at, at at creating and doing things kind of off schedule, but you cannot sit there and base your offense on chaos. There's you have to be on platform and and I just I have a hard time seeing a way that 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 works out. So I think that I you know move back a couple of spots if I can sit there and still get Harrison and maybe pick up a second round pick by moving back a couple and, and some other draft capital, whether it's tw- the 24 or the 25 draft. I do that. I mean, also, we saw Caleb Williams take a gigantic step backwards, in my opinion, yeah. from from 22 to 23. Uh, I'm not necessarily sure that Caleb, Caleb Williams is my favorite quarterback in the draft. So uh, if there's just not this de facto number one absolute type of quarterback there,
0: uh, what are we doing here? I wouldn't be shocked if... Jane Daniels jumps all the way up to being the top quarterback. And I don't know if I'm sold on him, but I don't know if I'm sold on any of these guys. And Caleb Williams, he's smaller than you think. Like, isn't Justin Fields a bigger quarterback in the pocket?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've I I mean, we're not talking about somebody who's as small as like Bryce Young, but he he's not Justin Fields' build. I mean, it certainly has not affected him in terms of certainly his ability to to run around and, and his escapability and his ability to run the ball with all of that. But I, I do like Jaden Daniels, but I also worry, uh, was that just a case of, was he being a bit of a system quarterback there at LSU? And I guess we're not going to know without more data to see what the next guy looks like. I, like. I, I know when they didn't have Daniels, they had – Nussmeyer quarterback and wasn't overly, overly impressed, but Nussmeyer is not nearly as physically yeah. gifted as, as Jaden Daniels. So, you know, I don't know. I just have a hard time falling in love with, with any quarterback at one at this point. But well, I mean, obviously we've got the senior bowl going on down in, in mobile, but you're not going to have some of the tip top uh, guys there. And then, you no, know, we move into the NFL scouting combine here at the end of February, and I'm I'm really looking forward to that because I'm definitely a draft nerd. I, en- I enjoy too. all the coverage I can get there.
0: All right, here's what I want. This is my fantasy. Um I'll keep Fields, and then I take Harrison Jr., and then they have another first-round pick and two number twos. Uh, I'll take uh, Bowers also, the tight end from uh, Georgia. How about that as my offense?
1: I mean, I, I think that's pretty good. I mean, here's cause, cause, here's the thing, there, there. This is not going to be a huge t- offensive tackle no. draft, and you can pick up guards and centers on day two. Uh, I don't like the plan of well, we're going to pick all of them up late day three, you know, rounds, you know, five and six and seven. But I think that you can kind of get away with knocking out some of these biggest needs early and then going and still ending up with a couple of bodies on the offensive line, because honestly what the bears have right now is malpractice on their, on their offensive line. And it just not, it's not working. And line is just so different than any other position. Cause you have to play as a unit, you have to play as a group. And it's not that, you know, I'm not, not going to look at each of the five starters and say, you're bad, you're terrible, you're horrible. But together, it's, it, it's not working. So they've got to do something because I don't care who the quarterback is. Under the current protection schemes and everything else, uh, they, better, they better have some, some Aflac on the side because they're all getting murdered out there.
0: Here's the thing. It's like, okay, that's my team. You understand, once we get, and this is not for you, I mean for everyone listening, once we get down with the Super Bowl, this is going to be the number one question. What will the Bears do at number one in all every NFL circle? What the hell is going to happen here? Everyone's going to do. Um, all right. We went long talking football, which was awesome. How about come back on in a week or so and then we'll get your thoughts on wrestling? How about that? Sounds great. All right. Kevin Noon, my man. Thank you for your help and have a great day. You too.